from Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here for Fame as a Bitch. This is your podcast for March 13th, 2020. It is Friday the 13th. And if you want to hear how my Friday the 13th in the month of March, you know, my worst month, how that began, go check out the Patreon. Um, it begins with me falling on my ass at 5.30 in the morning on a wet wet staircase at the hotel. My dog spilling out of the carrying case because she had to go downstairs and do pee-pee at 5.30 in the pouring fucking rain and the dark. Twisting my knee and ankle to the point where I'm on double ice packs. You know, it's just... It's par for the course. It's March. And that's it. Um, this will not be a political podcast, but I'm going to begin it by talking about something I think is a little bit ridiculous. I didn't want to see yesterday Joe Biden's speech on C-SPAN being broadcast everywhere. I don't give a fuck with Joe, uh, not Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders. I don't care what Bernie Sanders has to say about the corona fucking virus. I don't need to hear him. To, let him speak to the people in Vermont. Why do I got to watch him? Christ, he's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to win the, 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 the... He's not going to become the, the guy that goes against Trump. He's not. It's so dumb why they have to shove him down our throat. CNN, MSNBC, they couldn't wait to show him make that speech. I gotta, I, I've got i been having a feeling this whole thing is not going to happen Sunday night between him and Biden. I don't think it's... Sometimes I think it's just not going to happen at all. But the whole thing about Biden, suddenly the guy we were making fun of and so many memes about and... He's, touching little girls and kissing them and how he's flubbing everything he says. Now, some of you people are looking at him like the voice of reason, like the guy that's going to be Trump. If he has any chance at all, of course, it has to do with this gigantic pandemic that's everywhere in the world and has affected uh, the prosperity of the country and and, and, and the sanity of its uh, the people who live here and around the world. So if that's what it takes to be Trump, a worldwide pandemic, and and Joe Biden, Uncle Joe, who I don't dislike as a person, uh, but Jesus Christ, the way he, listen, the way he speaks, you want to call it a stutter? Okay, fine. You don't want to call it uh, dementia? You want to call it, then call it a stutter. But the inability this guy has to hold his own train of thought, I like when he tells somebody in a, in a, in a union job, you're full of shit. I love that. I love when men can speak like men and not worry about losing their fucking job. Or getting uh, destroyed and canceled. I love that he could tell that guy, you're full of shit. You're a lion, dog, pony soldier, whatever the hell that thing was he said. I like that stuff. I like when a guy is a regular guy. But this inability to hold his own train of thought, forgetting where he is, who his wife is. I mean, let's face it, guys. He doesn't use the language correctly. Inappropriate behavior, like I mentioned, those are not symptoms of a stutter. The the Mayo Clinic's symptom or symptoms of stuttering or stammer is difficulty starting a word, starting a word or a phrase or a sentence, prolonging a word within a word, repetition of a sound, syllable or word. I know I looked this shit up. Brief silence for certain syllables or words or pauses within a word. You get what I'm saying? Excess tension, tightness, or movement in the face or upper body to produce a word. It's basically anxiety about talking. I, I, I sat next to Stuttering John over a hundred times at the Stern Show. That's what stuttering is. Difficulty communicating or finding the right word to say. 
Also difficulty reasoning with planning, with organizing, coordination, motor functions, confusion and disorientation. Clearly the symptoms of the speech impediment are very distinct. They're also very different from symptoms of a degenerative neurological disorder, like I think Nancy Pelosi has had, and we've seen and witnessed, and I think Joe Biden has. Everybody has talked about Biden's bizarre call for families to make use of the old record player. Excuse me? Remember that? Or his response to a debate question about slavery? Use the record, put on the record play. Let your children hear the sounds. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And a lot of us winced at his suggestion that black Americans need to be taught how to raise their children correctly. But not a lot of people are making a fuss about the fact that his entire answer that night was a rambling, incoherent bumblefuck of words. And I'm going to tell you exactly how that went. I'm not going to imitate him per se, but here's what he said. Well, they have to deal with, uh, look, there is institutional segregation in this country. And from the time I got involved, I started dealing with that. Redlining, banks, making sure that we're in a position where, look, talk about education. I propose that what we take is those very poor schools, the Title I schools, triple the amount of money we spend from 15 to $45 billion a year. Give every single teacher a raise, that equal raise to getting out the $60,000 level. Number two, make sure that we bring into the help the, the student, the, the, the teachers deal with the problems that come from home, the problems that come from home. We need, uh, we, we have one school psychologist for every 15 kids in America today. It's crazy. The teachers are, reca- now, I'm a, now I'm married to a teacher. My deceased wife is a teacher. They have every problem coming to them. We have to make sure that every single child does, in fact, have three, four, five-year-olds go to school. School, not daycare, school. We bring social workers into homes of parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't want, they, they don't know quite what to do. They play the radio. Make sure the television, uh, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, 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 the phone, make sure the kids hear the words. A kid coming from a very poor school, a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there. Listen, guys, you can give Trump all the shit you want. You can even go after him for a flub or two when he addressed the nation in the face of this virus. But you need to stop the bullshit when it comes down to a mano and mano debate. Trump is going to have a field day with this guy. I don't care if Joe calls his old friend old corn pop. It's lights out when these guys square up. That's all for politics for today. Listen, Sybil Christopher died, and I bet thousands of you have no idea who I'm talking about. She's kind of famous because she was the chick that Richard Burton left to start his love affair, the very famous love affair with Elizabeth Taylor. Sybil Christopher was a really cool shit. She ran a a, a theater on Long Island, but uh, terrible to live with that that whole thing over your head that you're the chick that Richard Burton left to be with Elizabeth Taylor. You do take some kind of comfort knowing that what they had was perhaps the greatest love story in the history of Hollywood, even though they were both (laughs) drunk as fucking bums for most of it. But that had to have been hard on her. And, you know, it started, they started fucking around on the 1962 set of Cleopatra. I did a show about this several months back. 
And Richard and Liz were married from 64 to 74. And then again, they went back at it from 75 to 76. Imagine the fights between 74 and 75. And then the sex for them to go back together in 75 for one more year, one more go of it. Back then, I'm a 14-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid, and I remember seeing them two together. My father would always laugh and go, oh, fucking umbrigat. He would always say drunk. Umbrigat is drunk in Italian. And it was constant. They were always fucked up. But sloppy love affair. Now that I'm a grown-up, you look at those two and you go, well, how do they think this could work? They, They both were such a mess. There is great prose that Richard Burton wrote Elizabeth Taylor, and that's the part of this story that I wanted to bring up because I think about what that must have felt like for, for Sybil Christopher. It's one thing when your man leaves you for the greatest movie star in the world who's about to play the greatest role, Cleopatra, in a movie that had a budget no one ever had before that swelled out of proportion even then. You know, think of what that does to your head. But then to see the prose, and I don't know if he was writing her when they were together, but he would. one of the things he wrote, there was a, a book that came out on the, the letters that Richard Burton sent Elizabeth Taylor. I forget who wrote it, but take a look at those poems and those things he wrote her. You are probably the most, you are probably the best actress in the world, which combined with your extraordinary beauty makes you unique. I've never quite got over the fact that I thought, and I'm afraid I still do think, that acting for a man, a really proper man, is sissified and faintly ridiculous. I will do this film with Carlo Ponti and Sophia Loren out of sheer cupidity, desire for money. I will unquestionably do many more, but my heart, unlike yours, is not in it. I wish more actors really said shit like that, because you know they feel it. You know they got to feel stupid dangling from a cord behind a green screen. Of a, it, it's so silly. The stuff that The Rock does, I mean, it's just... <laughs> I'm not begrudging them their 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 careers, but it is very silly. Um, but you know, maybe 10, 20 million makes you say, fuck it, I'll do whatever I can to make this kind of money. But with his stormy relationship with Liz, the letters were insane. And and, and, and Sybil Christopher had to just be. I mean, do you want to read those things? Do you take a glance and put them back in the drawer? Do you want to because you know back then her friends are gonna go, Oh, there's a new book out of of, of Dick's poems to Liz. Do you want me to get it for you? No, I don't. No, I don't want to hear the poems, please. But he wrote one, you must know, of course, how much I love you. You must know, of course, how badly I treat you. But the fundamental and most vicious, swinish, murderous, and unchangeable fact is that we totally misunderstand each other. We operate on alien wavelengths. And he's not on drugs. He's just drinking the fucking bourbon and Talking to his old lady. Very deep, deep motherfucker. I'm sure Justin Bieber speaks the same way to Hillary Baldwin. Don't you think? Fucking gross. Anyhow, there's not much to do with the TV and the hotel. Only having a certain amount of channels. I, I look at my phone constantly. I've seen everything on Netflix. And after a while, you start looking at the stories in the newspapers and the websites. And you go, what the fuck? Another day, another nobody screaming for attention to a culture that is more happy to give the attention. Did you see this golfing bimbo Paige Spirinak? I'm not using her name because she's a a worldwide sensation, but many of you know Paige Spirinak. 
very sexy girl who golfs. She says she's proud of who she is and how she dresses, and she's not going to apologize to the golf community for it. Apparently, this girl needs likes or followers because she decided to broach a topic that no one I know is talking about or or particularly cares about. The fact that, you know, the game of golf is against her tits or some shit. I mean, this came out of nowhere. Sometimes I read a story, I go, that's a story, really? Like, you know, like there was a story the other day about the about this virus that, um, oh, what the fuck was it? It was like a store, a store was telling telling us like how they feel and how much they want us to get better. I thought like, what? what? I don't need you to tell me you hope we're fine during this virus. Who? You're just a, you're a brick and mortar store. Don't talk to me. It's just getting very weird. So this girl writes or posted, it's like my whole life I'm trying to find a place where I can fit in and then I feel comfortable and then I feel at peace with myself and I haven't found that. Meanwhile, she's gorgeous. Golf is the absolute worst place for me to be because I'm the exact opposite of everything that a golfer should encompass, should be, and I'm not. She's 26 years old. She's an Instagram sensation. She's got a podcast called Playing Around. She's hot as fuck, but she wants to get mad. I don't know. I'm not refined, guys. I'm raw and I'm real and I wear what I want. And I've always been so different. And golf is not that way. This is a girl who went to San Diego State, once competed in the Omega Dubai Ladies Masters in 2016. And she's talking about golf and it's hypocrisy. I feel like everyone in golf is just playing this part of this perfect golfer. When in reality, it's nothing like that. And she had this backlash that she's talking about that she endured because she changed her outfit. And, you know, she talks about this shit. She's got two and a half million Instagram followers. I wear the tank top and I'm the shit and I'm the whore. I'm the slut. And I'm the one that's ruining the game. And she said she, she, uh, she offered to help a charity. And that was recently rejected because they said they, they didn't want her around. I wanted to help this charity. I wanted to give them free golf clubs, something. The guy wrote me back and said, we'd love that. But uh, because of the way our board members view you, you can't help out. I want to give back to these kids who don't have anything. You know, because I grew up not having anything. And I can't even fucking do that because of my cleavage. I hope you're really feeling badly at this point for this girl. I mean, this, this, is, this is tough to go through. We bond over having a common interest and we all love the same thing. I don't understand why it matters if you're wearing a polo shirt and I'm not wearing a polo. If a guy on tour wears shorts instead of pants, the world's not going to end. In golf, people make all these problems so serious and guys, it's not serious. People seem to think I got where I am because of the clothes I wear. For people to say you only show some cleavage, that's why you have what you have. That's unfair. No, it's not. That's what you do. Anybody doesn't believe me, go to her fucking Instagram page. She just shows her tits. That's the injustice we face every day as women. And I see it a lot in golf. Another fucking victim of another victim of a girl being beautiful with big tits and men admiring that. But she's a victim. You know, guys, do all these girls a favor. Don't look at them. Don't write them. Don't talk to them. Don't flirt with them. Don't do anything. Let them live in a void. Let their tits be out and no one talk. Don't like the tits. Like, cause I know a lot of you ladies don't get this, but a lot of men and married men too was scrolling through the, the Instagram was seeing and our thumbs can't stop. We, when we see a pair of tits or a great ass or beautiful face, we can't stop. We have to hit like we almost hit like as quickly as when we see a funny animal video. 
you know, a cat falling off a table or a dog doing something outstanding. You know those videos where the guy comes home from war and the dog jumps on him and smothers him, the soldier? We hit like for that, but I think we hit like quicker for a great pair of tits. That's it. It's who we are. I'm saying it's just who we are. But, you know, once this chick had to overcome a series of, of all these tribulations, she had a nude photo scandal. And she said she learned to embrace her body. And she told her haters what they can do. I took back my body. I took back my sexuality. In this age when women and men, but mostly women, can use their body to get ahead, why are there any complaints? You're so fucking fortunate. You're so fortunate if you start the game being beautiful or having a great set. Or if you're a guy and you work out and you look good and you got a fucking washboard washboard stomach. You're way ahead of the game. Don't complain. You make it look so stupid. It's easy to agree that Paige Spirinak is a beautiful, sexy girl with great tits. I know this because I see them on her Instagram page and she's always showing them. That's her calling card. And clearly, for whatever reason, this girl wants more attention. I don't even know why I'm doing this story, but I find it fascinating that somebody so beautiful and so sexy and so lucky, frankly, has to complain. Oh, these fu- this, you know, if this pandemic doesn't take us down, this whole personality disorder this younger generation has is going to do the trick. I mentioned the other day that phrase, the meek shall inherit the earth. I, when I was a kid, I couldn't figure that out. How could that be? How could weak people inherit the earth? What, what could they possibly do? They're not strong. Here's how they do it. They complain and whine until we can't take it anymore. That's what they do. And their leader will be Ronan Farrow. <clears throat> Speaking of someone who doesn't whine or complain, Nicki Minaj, a lot of people are dragging Nicki Minaj, and, and, and she's not had an easy time of things for a couple of years. And now this shit has really kicked up into a higher gear. Her new husband finally registered as a sex offender. You know, when you're recently, when you're newly married, you usually register at different stores. Maybe you want to your friends to buy you shit from Tiffany if you got a lot of bulls. Or maybe you go down to, you know, Williams and Sonoma. But registering as a sex offender after you're married, that's a new thing. So do you guys know much about her husband? Oh, he's a charmer, this guy. Back in 1995, her husband, Kenneth Perry, was convicted of trying to rape a 16-year-old girl at knife point. And he also later served a seven-year prison term for manslaughter for shooting a guy to death in 2002. He took a plea. The original charge was second-degree murder. Anyhow, fast forward to the other day, and Kenneth has to register as a sex offender in his home state of New York. He's also got to do the same thing in California, where he's lived since 2019 when he got married to his, married to his old girlfriend, Nicki Minaj. He's, he, he put it off since July of last year when he first moved into this big, giant house in Beverly Hills, but he finally did it because he recently got arrested after his name was flagged on a traffic stop and after Nikki paid his $20,000 bond, he still failed to register, which then landed him in jail, costing Nikki an additional $100,000 in bond money to get him out. Now he's under pretrial supervision in Beverly Hills with an ankle monitor at his palatial home he shares with her or at her home. So he's not really roughing it. Although Nikki must not be truly happy that anyone with the sex offender uh, with, with that hanging over their head, anybody that has to register as a sex offender, they can see the exact address where this guy's at. And she can't be happy because her previous address 
was trashed and burglarized for $200,000 worth of jewelry and other property a couple of years ago. So the last thing she wants is someone knowing where she moved to. But now we all know that thanks to her sex offending husband. But here's the thing. Kenneth Perry is 41 years old. He's listed in the California Department of Justice's database as attempted rape by force or fear after he was convicted in 95 of attempting to rape that 16-year-old girl. Now, before you hope he goes and dies, here's where I have a bit of an issue. And I kind of have to side with Nikki, uh, who's been getting very mad at people lately, uh, going off on people on Twitter for, for people ragging her about being with this guy. Wendy Williams has given her a lot of shit, you know, over and over. And Nikki's gone back at Wendy saying, you're making a mistake being with this guy. And Nikki's like, fuck you. I know what I want. Look what your man did to you. Typical famous black girl fightings or, or arguments. But here's the thing. Back when this supposed rape happened. And by the way, I don't want to be a rape apologist. For God's sake, I keep talking about rape. The point is this. When this rape happened, the 16-year-old victim explained to cops that she was apparently abducted and violently raped by Petty. And she said she was walking down the street when he came up behind her and he placed a hard circular object against her back and made a clicking sound. And she believed that he had a handgun against her body and he instructed her to keep walking. So they walked to an address down the street and she says he forced her upstairs into his bedroom by pushing her from behind with what she believed to be a handgun. Sounds terrifying, except to say there are some extenuating circumstances. There was no gun, and he basically denied everything she said. She couldn't, of course, prove that any of this happened. All cops focused on was a mark on each side of her neck, which is consistent of somebody placing their hands on it. That could be done during lovemaking, during a fight. I don't know. It, It just could happen. Rough sex. What nobody focuses on is what this girl never bothered to admit to the cops, that she was his girlfriend at the time. And oh, by the way, he was 15. He was one year younger than she was. Now, despite that, Petty was charged with five crimes, rape in the first degree, sexual abuse in the first degree, unlawful imprisonment in the second degree, assault in the second degree, and criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree. The weapon was not the thing he pressed against her back. It's all ghetto shit. But the point is, he pled down and was convicted of attempted rape in the first degree, and he served four years in prison. And he's obviously registered as a sex offender and has to check in for updated location information and, you know, have his photo shown as a warning to the public. Those the, The wonderful public of Beverly Hills who must be thrilled that a black sex offender is down the street from them. Oh my God. So, Nicki Minaj has defended this guy even spoke on the rape. She says, look, he was 15. She was 16. They were in a relationship. She was like a psycho girlfriend. But she said, go off, Internet. Y'all can't run my life. Y'all can't even run your own life. Now, I'm not suggesting Petty is a wonderful guy. But again, I have a bit of a problem with someone going away for rape when it's a 15 and a 16-year-old boyfriend and girlfriend. I just... I don't know. I don't want to talk about rape for a while. We've been talking about it so much, and I, I feel like I'm getting this this label on me that AJ doesn't think the girls get raped. Of course I do. But there's some kind of extenuating circumstance that I feel we have to talk about sometimes. We can't just, you know, like write it off as rape. Because all of us have a 
uh, a picture on a head of what, what rape is. And having your girlfriend go to your house and having sex with her, I, I don't know. And by the way, I want to mention this on the way out of this show. Uh, I lost I lost a listener the other day from uh, Patreon. Somebody told me she put up a bad review on the Apple iTunes thing. I don't check those things. You know, I stopped worrying about five-star reviews a long time ago. Apple is where people go. Mostly nasty people go. And sometimes swarms of them go. If you piss someone off, they tell friends, hey, go to his Apple page and give him bad reviews. It's like when you got a bad meal and you destroy a place on Yelp, which I find pissy as well. Destroy a person's livelihood because your fucking soup was cold. You know, uh, Yelp is the ruination of restaurants. I, I hate that fucking thing. So Apple iTunes review page is kind of the same thing. I know my show will never be a five because I'm controversial. Not everybody likes what I say. There are people who tune in because they don't like me and they want to get mad at me, and I'm fine with that. I'm a solid four. I'm a four and a half if you count all the other stuff I bring to the show, like my personal stories, naming names that no one names, and breaking stories that no one breaks. But I'm not going to say I'm a five. Of course not. So it doesn't bother me that she left per se. Um, But this woman, black chick, who went with an anonymous name because she's a coward, and I bet she's still listening to the free show. So if you are, Mrs. Donahue, this is for you. She wrote, we are done. We are done. Today, he said nigger at the end of the show, and we are done. That's all she wrote. And if you don't know the show and know what I was talking about, you read that and you go, oh, my God, what a fucking racist. He just uses that word. No, of course I don't. I use it in context. Let me tell you something. And this goes for anyone else who's going to try and Papa John me. The fucking guy lost his empire because he was on a conference call explaining how bad black people had it and how badly they were treated. And he went to exclaim incredulously that Colonel Sanders called blacks N-word. And he followed it up by saying he couldn't understand how Sanders never faced a public backlash. He then discussed his early life in Indiana, where he said people used to drag African-Americans from trucks until they died. That, That wasn't a racist man making a racist statement. He was explaining his dismay and displeasure at what Colonel Sanders got away with and his displeasure at how hard black people have had it. But some woke pussies found it offensive. And just like that, the guy's empire falls, or at least he's kicked off of it. A man's lifelong work is gone. It's disgusting. So this woman the other day who went by Mrs. Donahue cannot make me feel badly about using that word to describe what me and my sister were called when we were young. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, a couple of Italians being called the N-word, but When you move from Brooklyn into Lily White, Long Island, especially White Islip, and you come with a Sicilian uh, skin tone, some assholes are going to use that word. Now, when my sister heard it, she took both girls by the hair on the sidewalk and knocked them down and kicked them. When I heard it, I choked the guy at a day camp behind a go-kart race, and he never said it again. So she can't take that experience away from me. It doesn't mean I I even slightly understand the black experience. I'm not trying to play down what so many good people went through. I was merely telling you an experience in my life, in my sister's life, where someone called us the N-word. And you know what? Fuck off if you think that word solely belongs to you. It doesn't. And neither does shithead. 
which is what she is for having the goal to think no one can use that word to describe an experience in their life and doesn't happen to be black. Sorry. I've been sitting here concerned about this virus thing as I've been talking to you guys on a number of shows and, you know, we barely leave this hotel. But then I started thinking about how this is going to affect me going to Las Vegas to watch that poker game we're going to stage with all the pros to shoot the the next season of high stakes poker. And it hit me that outside of, you know, China and Italy, Vegas might be the worst place to to, to visit. You know, because once you're in Vegas, you know, you're touching poker chips and playing cards and money. Is there anything more dangerous or 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 scary than that? Can I walk around Vegas in gloves? And all of a sudden I'm worrying and thinking about it. And guess what? The game, the poker game has been postponed because all the poker pros were like, we're not going to Vegas right now. And I totally understand it. So high stakes poker will be coming back, but that game will be played, uh, let's say, several weeks later. Once we know what's going on, it's it's being treated much the same way as baseball and basketball and a whole bunch of other shit is being treated. So eventually the game will be played. And eventually in the summertime, I'll do the uh, the play-by-play for these games. Me and Gabe Kaplan and High Stakes Poker will be back on the air. I'm not sure which network yet, but I'll be sure to tell you. It's going to be a lot of fun to get back and in the saddle and do that again with Gabe. Let me thank my tippy-top, my cream of the crop, who stood by me for a long time, and I really love you guys for it. Angelique Heller, Debbie Anderson, the great Catherine Speed, the great Catherine Stewart, the great Angela Domino, Patty Markle, Audra Fortune, Chris Elise, Melanie Howell, Wendy McAseeb, Dr. George Canass, who told me what nose spray to get, from my doctor to stop my clearing my throat because he believes it comes from a post-nasal drip. And guess what? Two shows in a row, not one throat clear. Thank you, Doc. Eric Farke, Ali Chichi Tran, Heather Grindle, Chris Starr, Joe Leone, Dana Parks, Jennifer Lewis, Christy Tucker, Kim Casto, Deb Thompson, Marcella Martinez, Sarah Walker, Gail Edwards, Kurt Nowak, Jackie Robbins. Oh, I forgot to say Betty. Dana Parks and Betty. And listen, Todd Earl. And uh, and uh, Ken Zedine, the, the two people who ordered my book last week, 74 and Sunny, signed copies. They will be going out to you today. It's been a fucking shitstorm of weather out here. And getting to the storage bin I got to yesterday, today's been a disaster, but I will get it out to you today or tomorrow. Signed copies of 74 and Sunny. Anybody else want the book, contact me. Don't go through Amazon. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Give AJ Benz of the money because I wrote the book. That's it for today. I'm AJ Benzett. That was your show for March 13th, 2020. And I will talk to you Monday. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an AJ Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of AJ Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Technical producer, Brian Vasquez.